0: As a girl, I never, ever grew up believing that my gender would stand in the way of me achieving whatever I wanted in life.
1: I am, after all, not the first, but the third female Prime Minister
0: of New Zealand. That was Jacinda Ardern, Prime Minister of New Zealand, but we could have started this episode listening to Nicola Sturgeon, Prime Minister of Scotland, or Catelyn Novak, president of Hungary, or Magdalena Andersson, prime minister of Sweden, or any one of only 26 women who currently sit at the helm of government in their country. As we say in the girls' school world, girls need to see it to be it. In the political arena, this is especially true, yet role models are still hard to come by in many parts of the world. There's been lots of things that I've wondered, because there are so few people
1: mm. who have the chance to be in this job, yeah. let alone be in the job as a woman. Yeah. And so I yeah. accumulate all these questions. Yes. Which, <laughs> well, which I thought I might time. ask you. <laughs> okay. First of all, did you, I get asked this a lot. Mm. Did you ever, in your wildest dreams, think that you would end up in this role? No. As a, as, no,
2: never. Never. <laughs> no.
0: We're going to spend our time together today being curious about why more girls don't become women, who run for political office? What barriers stand in their way? And how do we help them confront and surmount those barriers? My guests in this conversation are from Canberra Girls Grammar School in Canberra, Australia. They take this question very seriously, as do the young women at their school, whose voices you'll also hear today. I'm Trudy Hall, your host for On Educating Girls, Creating a World of Possibilities, a podcast produced by the International Coalition of Girls' Schools. When a young woman aspires to enter the political arena, she faces an array of challenges, from the discouragement of family and friends to societal biases. According to statistics maintained by the United Nations, as of September 2021, there are a mere 26 women serving as heads of state or government in nations around the world. At the rate that women are stepping into such key leadership roles, gender equity in the highest positions of leadership globally Will not be reached for another one hundred and thirty years. Sadly, in the global realm, there are still twenty-seven countries in which women account for less than ten percent of parliamentarians. In studies done by Pew Research Center, there are four key reasons that both men and women believe are keeping women out of political arena. Over sixty percent of those surveyed believe that women need to do more to prove themselves. The three other top reasons? Women get less support from party leadership. Women face gender discrimination. And surprisingly, voters are not ready to elect women to these roles. The numbers are dismal and the barriers are steep. Today, let's talk about we, the support of adults and girls' lives can do to ensure that girls with political aspirations become women whose ambition and courage place them in the seats or offices where their voices will make a difference in the legislative agenda. What can we do to encourage girls like these to enter the political fray?
3: The best way adults can support young girls and women in politics is by mentoring them. I was recently speaking with our former Chief Minister and now Minister for Finance, Senator Katie Gallagher, who shared with me some interesting facts. She stated how much Parliament has changed to make it more accessible to women. It now has a childcare centre in Parliament. Caucus meetings are now undertaken during the day rather than at night. And the Labour Party has supported more female nominatings into safe Labour seats. The Senator finished our conversation with a very important message. Politics can change the world, so women need to be at that table.
0: We know that many female politicians admit they had political aspirations from their earliest days so how can we ensure that those aspirational politicians never lose that bravado let me introduce our guests so we can start the conversation about this important topic julie gerizma is the acting principal of canberra girls grammar school prior to assuming this role she held a number of leadership positions within schools Most recently, as the Dean of Lateral Learning in a Sydney Anglican Girls' School, where she was also acting head of teaching and learning. Julie has worked across disciplines as the head of social science, IT, English, and humanities in various schools, including a stint at an international school in Hong Kong. A seasoned leader within school communities, she and her colleague, Wynne Hanson, will share the details of a very distinctive program at their school called simply, The House, a nickname for the Parliament House, the meeting place of federal parliament in Australia. Julie's colleague at Canberra Girls Grammar School, Wynne Hansen, began her career in another field entirely, as a retail buyer for the Adelaide Steamship Company. Several decades ago, she shifted gears and headed into the classroom. Along the way, she opened her own education company. A teacher of economics and business, Currently, Wynne is the head of academic engagement at Canberra Girls Grammar School. And in addition, she's an active committee member of the Women in Economics Network in Australia, where she works to close the gender gap of women in the economics profession. Her students know her mantra, which is very relevant for our conversation today. If you seek to challenge authority, you must learn to speak with authority. Let me offer a warm welcome to you both clearly you're doing many things right at canberra girls grammar and i'm looking forward to hearing more about the program and your approach i know our listeners are going to want to know a bit about what the house program is julie and how it was first established can you offer up that background for us to get us started
2: sure um i think what's important in this is to give your listeners some context about our school Um, So, Canberra Girls Grammar is located in Canberra, which is the capital city of Australia. Um, And Canberra was established as the home of our federal government after the inauguration of Australia's Federation in 1901. The federal parliament was relocated from Melbourne to Canberra in 1927, with the opening of the federal parliament building, which is now known as Old Parliament House, taking place on the 9th of May 1927. And then on the 9th of May 1988, the current, or as we call it, new Parliament House, was opened, which is straight down the road from our school. So we are within a one kilometre walking distance of our Federal Parliament building. So all of our students play, learn and lead in plain sight of the nation's Federal Parliament, which is inspirational in itself. Um, So the House program was something that, came to, in fact, it started with the idea of a a student um, as part of the debating and public speaking program, and it kind of grew from there. Um, Our house program is part of what we do at Canberra Girls Grammar School, where we teach and encourage our students to be fearless, to act with courage and integrity, um, and who are leaders in our communities. So The sense of service and leadership is what a life of service in the public or acting on behalf of the greater good is all about. And it presented us with the perfect opportunity to foster these young women's leadership aspirations, their strong sense of advocacy and their curiosity for decision making and desire to make a change in the world. And so from this, the House was born and launched on International Women's Day in 2021 during our celebration assembly. Um, to encourage and nurture the future generations of leaders in our world.
0: All right, that sounds fantastic. And I love the fact that you're taking advantage of that local resource to embed it, to integrate it really into your whole program. Um, so Wynne, let's let's turn to you and, and have you talk a
1: little bit about what this program is doing now since its launch. Um, I noted in our pre-reading to this, there was a question in relation to what makes the house hum as a program. And I actually spent a lot of time reflecting on that as a notion, the word hum in itself, I find is a really interesting word to use for the house because I think it sums it up perfectly. That very first desire for the house started with one person. More people have joined that vision Initially, it was built by teachers from an administrative point of view, but it's now been entirely handed over to the students. Those students have then taken that vision and they're developing the future of the house in line with what they envisage it to be. So as people have joined that conversation and joined the house, it's gone in a different direction. But collectively, the strength of those people coming together has really given it a platform to be something that we really can't envisage today. At the moment, we're really focusing on the house in terms of a school context, but without question, it's a program that is going to reach beyond the school gate. It's going to become part of our local community. It's going to become part of our territory community, our national community, and there's absolutely no reason why the house one day won't be part of the educational setting in the international setting.
0: Uh, that's, that's That's really exciting to be involved in it and watch the girls Uh, Take hold of it. And as you've worked with them, can you offer up uh, maybe two to three key learnings
1: along the way? At the centre of the house, the most important thing is authentic learning. So it's opportunities for students to engage, as I said before, beyond the classroom gate. So schools are fantastic at teaching theory in a classroom, but when you're able to develop opportunities for students that take that theory and connect it to what's actually happening in a real global setting. That's when you're really maximising opportunities for students and embedding that deep learning. The reason it's so important, apart from the fact that it's authentic, it's actually relevant to what's going on in their lives today and it's realistic. It's also realistic and relevant as they transition from their schooling into their tertiary and then into their professional careers. It provides them with incredible student agency, not only to be part of a program, but to actually be the people who are constructing the program. They come together as builders of the program who are guided through uh, their senior leadership team and the teachers around them, but they're actually able to undertake that commitment With the support of the stakeholders, whether those stakeholders are here at school, whether that stakeholder is sitting as a member of parliament right now in parliament house, or whether that person might be uh, the chair of Telstra in Australia, they can work together with those variety of people in order to maximise what they can get out of the house. Authenticity
0: and relevance um, seem to be really key in terms of putting these programs together and real live hands-on opportunities that, that make an impact. And so as you as you think about this, are there themes that you find that are emerging at different points in their involvement in the program? Are there things that, that you're watching for, specific growth moments um, that you see as really key to this program?
1: Absolutely. The house has got an incredible vision that it can be quite enormous in scope. It can have incredible depth, not as I described before, not just at a school level, but potentially as an international program. So the scope is enormous. And I think at the very outset, it was important to us to understand that in order to achieve a program that would have longevity, relevance, and be scalable, that we needed to approach it from a position of making our achievements in small steps but doing it really well, understanding what the five-year plan looked like, breaking it down into smaller steps, approaching each step, completing each step and making sure that it's absolutely perfect in its iteration before moving on to the next step. It's really easy, and I think we all do it, we could all be quite guilty of getting really excited by a new project and running off, you know, full steam ahead and trying to achieve everything at once. The House isn't about achieving everything at once today. It's about building a platform for the future that can exist in its own, with its own identity on its own, even when the current stakeholders step away from it. The students involved in the house today won't be students at this school in six years' time. They come into a school, they transition through, they move on. The house will remain. Everything that we build in the house today has to be able to stand the test of time and the test of different people with different objectives and different um, goals coming into the program and moving out and still at the core of it remain what it is supposed to be, which is opportunities for women and girls to bridge the gender gap in professions in policy.
0: Um, So now it's sort of a question for you both and maybe let's start with uh, Julie. I'm making the assumption that it's challenging to get girls to want to be politically involved as candidates. Is that an accurate assumption or are you seeing and hearing more hopeful indications of the change in this regard?
2: That is a good question. I can start by saying I spoke to one of our Year 10 students uh, last week whose aspiration is to become the Prime Minister. Uh, That is an enormous aspiration and I fully support her and I suspect she'll do it one day. Um, I think it's really challenging for any young person, regardless of gender, to completely commit to the idea of becoming a political candidate at this young age. I think they don't necessarily have a full understanding of what, a life of government service looks like, um, but I think that's where programs like the House are providing insight and real-life experiences for what it might look like. Um, we are looking for all of our students to become actively and involved involved sorry, and informed citizens. So it doesn't mean they'll all become political leaders or candidates or even work for the government. But what it does mean is that they will make informed decisions about those people who do represent them. Um, So because, as I've mentioned previously, Canberra is the home of the federal government, our students do have a direct line of sight of the various departments and the public servants who have dedicated themselves to serving the public of Australia, which is a really unique position. Um, And it does demonstrate to our students that serving the public and having a role in political life is not just about being the prime minister or part of the cabinet. But I think what we're seeing in young people now is a generation who want to affect change. They want to make a difference to others. I feel, and and Wynne and I have spoken about this, there's a strong sense of advocacy and empathy in young people. And young women really want to be equally represented by the people who are making decisions. So for us, We educate to ensure that young women have independence and choice in their lives. Um, And we know that our graduates do go on to be leaders in all fields, including in political fields. So do they want to be politically involved as candidates? Potentially what we're doing is preparing them for the choice and the independence to do that, where they're critical thinkers, they're global thinkers, they're articulate and they're capable women who if they do wish to show up and serve in the public life, they do that completely.
0: That was well said. And as you listen to her uh give us that articulate answer, when do you want to do any uh pylon or addition to that?
1: No, I agree with Julie. And as she said, we've talked about this in depth. And um fantastic you know we'll be the first ones out there cheering on a student who's come through our program and it ends up as the prime minister but it really is about taking a seat in government and parliament and government and parliament is so much greater than one person mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, and and yet when um uh, for those who are reticent about being politically politically involved uh, as you hear the girls talk
1: what do you think is holding them back Mm, That's interesting. We've actually not found the girls to be reticent. And I think one of the reasons that is the case is that the structure of the House reflects and mirrors the structure of Parliament. And Parliament is not just the Senate or the House of Representatives. In order for our Parliament to operate on a daily basis, it has six departments. And those departments include... Um, the engine room of Parliament House. It includes media, it includes communication, it includes Treasury, it includes uh, the Electoral, Australian Electoral Commission. They all have to come together to deliver the ruling of the day in a country. So the House mirrors that. We've designed the House and within the House there are six different wings and students identify and join a particular wing that is aligned to their personal interest. The six wings are the Cabinet the government, the vote, so that's the wing that looks after the voting and election cycles within the school, the voice, which is our school communication platform, the engine, the people who support the running of the parliament, whether it's welcoming visitors, um, operating diplomacy visits, working with our stakeholders to align students with work experience opportunities and then the last one is Treasury and so the wing of the Treasury the girls who are involved in the house but they're actually looking at how they manage the budget of the house in order to meet the operational objectives that um, are devised by the cabinet and the government. So the girls' reticence is really removed because every student can align an interest in one of those six different areas. Are you passionate about library services? Then you have a role in the house because you can become part of the voice and you can become part of writing articles and working with our resources in order to support the program. At the moment, we're in a fairly... Um, early stage of the house and we are aiming to have about 10 per cent of our student population as members of the house by the end of this year. But I envisage by the end of the program rollout over five years that 50 per cent of our students will find a place in one of those wings.
0: I certainly see why. I like the way you have um, set that up so that really it's almost impossible not to find a place where your talents can be put to use. You'd almost have to have an excuse that would be, um, I think, pretty significant uh, not to be able to be talked into one of those categories as being relevant to one of your talents that needs to come out into the universe. I want to share more of the voices of your girls with our listeners. These are the voices that should give us all hope in the years to come. Let's imagine how the world could look if this energy was at play in politics.
3: I am interested in being politically engaged because we need to make change. We need female leaders with knowledge on current affairs and ideas on how to make change that people want to see on things like climate change. Personally, the role I would like to play is the big ideas person creating ideas and then making them more narrow to be achievable. I wanna go into politics because for me, the opportunity to benefit people's lives and have hopefully such a positive impact is something that I really want to do in the future. I know there are many other pathways apart from politics, but politics has such a large impact on everybody in Australia and to help in the world and to help make a positive impact on everybody is something that I really want to be able to do, as there are so many people suffering. And to be able to help or at least support those kind of people in Parliament is something that I want to do in my future. What
0: kind of advice uh, can you offer to girls so that they can develop the the thick skin that the political climate seems to require? What should they be prepared for? What skills should, should they have? How does that fit into the skills that you're um, giving them access to, or the, I should say the lessons that you're giving them access to in the house?
2: Um, I think what's important in developing a thick skin is really educating yourself. I think when you're educated, you have a voice, um, where you can speak with authority. Uh, you're not second guessing yourself and you, you have confidence to be speaking. Um, Being knowledgeable about global issues as well in something like the house is really important so that you can understand the perspectives of others and speak and represent others and uh, really know what you're talking about. Uh, We would also really encourage students to be involved in team sports. I think team sports very much help not just with collaboration and collegiality but developing a thick skin because We don't always win everything that we show up for um, and we have to be good sports. Um, I think what's also important when you are looking or developing a thick skin is being passionate and knowing what your values are. So if you really understand who you are as an individual and you stick to what matters to you, things don't really stick as badly to you and they slide off a little bit more. So knowing who we are, which, as we know, for adolescents can be difficult. Um, And I think it's really important that we remind young people and the adults who care for them that adolescence is part of the development process. Uh, It is a period in a child's life between childhood and being an adult. Things won't always be easy. Friendships won't be easy. Relationships will be strange. Change will happen but you do come out the other side and we come out the other side often with a thicker skin or with an understanding of how we negotiate something, how we deal with somebody, how we communicate with somebody. Um, And I think those are important things to lean into so that we understand and develop
1: that thicker skin. I think those would be my key hints. One thing that I often circle back to it, something I think that we see a lot that's going on in our political climate and also I think has been replicated in classrooms and perhaps even around kitchen tables at home, is there's definitely been a skew towards discussing political or economic or social questions that end in argument. So in the forefront for me, for all students, I'm really about them understanding the difference between intellectual discourse and debate. There's a big difference when you come to the table prepared, educated and worldly, sit down and have that intellectual discourse with somebody else. We really need to move away from the notion that we're there to argue to win a point and move towards the notion that we're there to share ideas, understand more and to come to some sort of meeting of the mind even if we don't have a meeting of the consensus. So for me, for students, building that capability in them, I think is going to stand them in good stead in all of their careers, but particularly in the future of what politics is shaping up to look like. I think most definitely the political landscape is changing. We've seen it recently in Australia, we've had an election just within the last month and the voters voted for a different type of politics. I think we're going to continue to see that they're rejecting the argumentative platform of politics. And they're looking for people who can come to the table and bring that consensus as opposed to conflict. So I think that's really important for our students to, if they take even that away from the house alone, that would be a great lesson for them.
0: We've all heard the the wisdom. We say it a lot in girls' schools. Girls need to see it to be it. And as you both know this is one area where we just can't see a lot of it um and in fact Ed, as i said in my intro you know there are only 26 women right now who are in the senior positions of leadership in their government so how how do you find role models where do you point to um who wants to start on that one i, I think, i'm sure you both have uh, both have uh good things to say
2: so right. i can jump in there if you like trudy um i think If we go back to what we're talking about with being what we consider to be government or political life, which is that you might not be the leader but you might be serving in the public service or in the interests of the public, Um, what we're looking for in role models is leadership, is courage, uh, is authenticity, someone who's articulate, all of those things. Um, And I think young women actually do now have a number of role models. Uh, they're not all on social media, they're not all celebrities, uh, but they are role models who are pointing them in the right direction. Um, I know that, for example, at our school, we bring back our alumni. They share their stories and they provide mentoring to current students. And some of those women are just phenomenal. Um, our student leaders in and of themselves are role models. They work with our young people to acknowledge that Not all leaders wear a badge um, or they don't all have a title, but they are all a leader or a role model of some sort. Often we don't know about it. Often we don't know who's following us, but we all have that awareness that we are role models and leaders. In our assemblies, we share different stories of students within our community and also of inspirational women who are identified by the students. For example, on International Women's Day, in our Science Week Assembly, our International Day of Girls and Women in Science Assembly, we talk about scientists and mathematicians and engineers and all of these incredible women who have done great things um, and they have made a change because that's what they wanted to do. So I think our young girls are finding role models with the girl in the locker next to you, their mother at home, their grandmother. A teacher, a sports player, a scientist. And I think when I know when I'm speaking to young people, I find it really fascinating to hear from them who they're inspired by and who they look up to. And I'm very privileged by that. I find that learning about the action and influence of others is a two way street. These are young people telling me about inspirational women or inspirational members of the community. and I, I just, I feel very blessed to be part of that. Um, and I know that we have strong females out there who our girls are looking up to.
0: And, and actually, that gives me a chance to look back to the win and ask her a question, which I'm intrigued by. I think you talked about this particular generation of girls. You just mentioned you're inspired by who they look up to. As, as you think about this particular generation, when
1: do you see different trends in this regard? There's, uh, I've definitely noticed a difference in the, ge- the Generation Z coming through, and they are quite different to previous generations who I've taught. In particular, I note that there is a significant difference in their levels of empathy. Uh, I'm seeing this generation to be incredibly empathetic. Uh, I'm not sure where it has um, nurtured from. Uh, they take that empathy and they really use it to increase their their service to the community so that empathy then drives service focus what they can do for other people I also see that empathy flowing over then into a real understanding of diversity. So the acceptance of diversity and and diverse groups is something that comes second nature to this generation. It's not even on the table for conversation as such. It's something that's um, automatically part of their understanding of the world around them. And that's really fantastic then to see that diversity reflected in Not just the work that they're doing in the house, but how that's also reflected at the moment in, I suppose, in television, their role models, who they're engaging with as well. And they're much more open and accepting of things that may not have been openly accepted in previous generations. And I think that's going to be really interesting to watch unfold over the next 20, 30 years as this generation, the entire generation, grows up moves into tertiary study and moves into the profession. I think it will have long-term effects on how we operate, not just in terms of government and politics, but actually how we might even go about operating in terms of our economic organizations.
0: I hope you are right, because they are are carrying uh, so much on their backs right now. And I've heard it mentioned that this particular generation knows that, that they know that uh, much is expected of them because of the challenges that we're leaving them with. We've been primarily speaking about what girls need to be ready. But I'd like to ask each of you to share a piece of wisdom that you think parents need to hear as they work with their daughters in the realm of political activism. Is there language they should avoid? Are there things they can start doing or saying? And I'll let either one of you go first on that one.
2: I think it's important for many aspects of life. Um, and I know is one of the biggest challenges for parents to be honest. I think supporting and guiding young people in their use of social media is really important. Um, I think sometimes young people, whilst they know because they've been taught about the long-term impacts or the lasting record of their life on social media, they can find it challenging uh, to not engage and to perhaps post things that they may wish they hadn't have posted when it comes sort of 10 or 20 years into the future. So I think help uh, parents helping their young people in that field is is very important. These are normal adolescent mistakes that young people are making and there is now a forever record of them. Um, When we made those mistakes, they weren't recorded for everybody to see over and over again. Um, I think it's important for parents to encourage independence of thought and appreciate that times have changed. It's no longer a case of in my day. um, Multidimensional and intergenerational conversations are so rich and help a young person to understand a diverse range of perspectives and having those conversations where you're able to amongst your family um, is an incredible way of helping your young person to create a broader sense of understanding of the world. I think remembering as well that parents are the first role model. Um, So what you do, your children are learning and taking from every day, uh, and that's really important as well.
0: Those are excellent tips. Okay, Wynn, your turn.
1: Yeah, that's excellent. And a lot of those I would um, applaud and agree with entirely. Um, Out of that, I'll probably pull out one thing that I'd like to expand on a little bit is allowing children to develop their own political views Uh, Those conversations that we have around dinner tables that we have with our family, that we have in those multi-generational settings, the listening to the radio in the car when you drive to work and hearing the news, the small implicit things that can go on in the house that can actually support your child in developing their own views is really important. Uh, We all know that when you're born into a household, you inherit a certain political uh, outlook Um, and I think we would all agree that that's the case as children grow up and their world's become larger outside of the family and then outside of the school gates, they're then able to explore their own political beliefs. If parents are supporting them from an earlier age to do that, to discuss what they think about elections, to unpack the recent unemployment results. If they're encouraging their children to have those conversations, they're encouraging them to become critically literate in their own political thinking, and if we can embed that with our young children, then we start them on a journey down that road um, in a really protected environment.
0: Oh, that really well said, both of you, because I do think that this goes back to something that uh, Julie said early on. You know, this idea that really knowing who you are makes a difference when you head out into the universe, because then you're much more likely to be able to stand for the things that you care about, and and being able to start early on in that process, listening to the car radio on the way to work um, and the way to school makes a big difference in those conversations. Um, All right, so then let's let's shift. And unfortunately, I've really enjoyed this conversation and I could talk to you for some long period of time, but let's come to a close and ask each of you, it does seem as though both of you are keenly interested in ensuring that girls are ready to take their proper role in the world to lead whatever it is they, want to lead. And as you think about that, um, I'd love to have you talk about why you think it matters for women to be in political office. How how do you engage them in that conversation so that they know uh, it's a place where they should be? I think, as as you said, and I love this quote, you know, the first place to start is you've got to be in the room. You've got to be in the room. Um, how do you talk about getting them to be in the room?
1: Wynne, do you want to start with that one? Yeah, we we said earlier that of... Any decision making process for the girls is that they had to be able to do exactly that, Trudy. They had to be able to open the door, sit in a chair, and join the conversation. In the past, through history, we've already seen this happen. Women have been able to achieve all of these things and continue to do so around the world. So we encourage our girls to open the doors. In Australia, we had Enid Lyons and Dorothy Tangay, who were the first women to be elected to the Australian Parliament. They opened those Parliament doors in 1943. This is, this is not something that is new. We've had women for decades sitting in the right chairs. Christine Lagarde, the French politician, economist, lawyer, the head of the IMF, incredible in the work that she did in terms of the economic downturn in the global financial crisis. She's sat in the chairs. she's been the chairman of a range of incredibly powerful organisations, and has a voice in everything in terms of the monetary fund and the economy.
2: I think what's important here is that we acknowledge that females are half of the world's population. Um, It matters that women are in political office and every person has the right to have their voice heard or to be appropriately represented in every government, in every part of the world. So women are needed to share the voices of every woman and every person. And that's the message that we just continue to share with our girls. This is about courage, This is about integrity and inclusion, and we're really proud of what we're doing with the house.
0: I I think you should be really proud of what you're doing with the entire school. It's been a lovely conversation. I've learned a lot. I've learned a lot about uh, the kind of programs that need to be developed and how they should be developed, that they need to be authentic, and they need to be relevant, and they need to be intentional, and they need to be embedded in the day-to-day life of the school. I think that's really good advice for anybody starting a program like The House. And I also think you've left parents with a lot of good wisdom about how they are first and foremost role models in their daughter's lives as they teach their daughter to have a voice and use that voice and open that door and get in the room. Um, So thank you both very, very much for your willingness to spend some time with us. And I I do believe with something that Wynn said earlier on, it does sound like the House has the potential to have some international impact. And I think we all agree, we hope that it does. Thank you, Trudy.
3: I think that the ability for people, women especially, to be involved in politics is something that is so vital to how we as a society function. I think some critical skills that are fundamental for females in politics are things like the ability to hold your ground. With women being the minority in every government in the world, it is vital that we don't allow ourselves to be cut out of discussions due to who we are and what we represent, and that we fight for our position and our beliefs to be heard by everyone. The females that succeed the most in politics are not always going to be the most lovable or the most charismatic, but they are going to be hardworking and analytical and driven to an outcome that they know they will find a way to achieve, which is highly admirable.
0: You have been listening to Uneducating Girls, a podcast produced by the International Coalition of Girls Schools to address real issues that impact the lives of girls we know. As always, we welcome your thoughts and suggestions as we create a dialogue with you. Perhaps you have a topic that you want us to discuss in a future episode. Please send comments and questions to podcast at girlschools.org and join us next time as we share insights and resources. Thanks for listening. It's important to the girls in your lives that you do.